0: Let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. First, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 55. Put a marker in Isaiah 55. And then we'll go back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll start in 1 Peter. This is going to be our main text for the message. We'll reference it. Check it throughout. And then we'll... Circle back to it at the very end. Before we start reading, I just want to read you something that's uh it's not a funny bit, it's just a it's just an interesting it's just an interesting uh, it's not even a poem. Well you'll hear it. It's good though. It says it's it's entitled You call me master but You call me master and obey me not, you call me light and see me not, you call me way and walk me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. I thought that was really good ran across that in a book I have at the house. I figured I would share. I whoever was praying, Javier was praying, to, the Lord would help with the preaching, and I appreciate that. I need the help, um, definitely. So I, Pastor Kenny asked me last week to, uh, if I, he asked if I'd be willing to preach, and I said, yes, I sure would. I don't know what I'll preach, but uh, yeah, I'm ready. It's going to be something more of a, maybe like a teaching, teaching, preaching, slash like a hybrid message. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but we'll, it'll go. I just don't know how. 1 Peter chapter 1, let's start out in uh, verse number 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And those aren't the manifolds on your car. Uh, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Uh, Now turn over to Isaiah. Keep your place here and turn over to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, we'll start off in verse 6. I believe this is where, I remember so in the testimony, I, I was going to write it down. And When Dr. Ruckman was a lost young man, he broke into a person's house and stole a Bible, and he opened the Bible, and this is the passage that he, that he went to, that he, that he flipped to when he was a lost man. Verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. 55, 6. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So you can flip back over to First uh, Peter, and you can just stay there. So the message is entitled Manifold Temptations. Manifold Temptations, it's, more, it's going to be more of a teaching and we're going to go through different things that, uh, that Manifold Temptations give and what they, what they show and stuff. But every Christian on this planet will deal with this to some degree throughout your life. Manifold Temptations. That's, manifold means many. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. What your status is in life, it'll come into your life sometime. Uh, The main question is, as we approach this lesson right now, and when we're finished with it, is how are you going to take it? How will you take the manifold temptations? And how will you respond when things aren't going great? Maybe they're not going great right now. Maybe it's going to be tomorrow that they're not going to go great. Maybe these temptations or these uh, problems in your life are going to start to evolve more and more in your life. I don't know what's going to happen. Lord does. But tonight we're just going to take a, take a little bit here, and we're going to go through manifold temptations, and I just have uh, six points. I don't know if I've ever had six, so we'll call it a teaching lesson, and we'll go through these six items, and that'll be the message. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for this building we have to meet, and we understand that this is not the church, but we are the church, and but we have this beautiful church building, Lord, that we can come to, and uh, Lord, it's, it might almost be too comfortable, just, uh, but we we thank you for it and providing so much, and. And we pray that tonight that you would get the preeminence in this lesson, Father, and that it would be a help to somebody. Lord, it, it's been a help to me just going through it and and reading the verses and writing verses and thinking on them. And and Father, I pray that it would be just a help to somebody tonight, if anything, just a help. And uh, Father, again, I pray you be with uh, Pastor Kinney as he's out of town this weekend and beginning of the week preaching out. And I pray you just give them uh, just a uh, a good meeting and good journey back home. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, manifold Temptation. So the first item on the list is, it's only temporary. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, it's not necessarily meant to be a convicting type message. Like I said, it's kind of more like teaching. We're just going to go through these different items to just understand what's going on here. So you can have something, something in your pocket to pull out when these things happen, something you can use when these when this comes upon you in your life, because you know the verse says uh, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So it's I mean it's something that weighs heavy on you. So Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter four, and we'll start it off in verse seventeen. Now mind you, this is Paul. And you think about, when we go through all these, all, these, all these on the list, you think about Paul. Paul, his sweetest epistles are from a prison cell. John's revelation is written in exile. Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress came from the Bedford jail. Luther's translation of the German Bible was in uh, Wartburg Castle. Madame Guyon's sweetest poems and deepest experiences were from long imprisonments. All these people that we lift up in the Christian faith and uh, from years past and stuff, they, they gave some of the best stuff from prison, just being in bondage, and just pressure and problems. So it, it, it works for you, for your good. We'll, we'll get to that around, I don't know, .3, .4, something like that. But anyway, 2 Corinthians, we're right there in verse 17. For our late affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, it's a, I said that about Paul. This is Paul writing here. He says, for our light affliction, which we just heard in a message here talking about that. But our, the light affliction, which is but for a moment. A moment is never a very long time when you think about it. You say, "I'll I'll be there in just a moment," uh, just just give me just a moment, and whatever that's always means a short amount of time for us, and so we can have so we can have some understanding of because of how we use that word, how the word what the word means, and how we use it every day. It's not a long time, and you say, "Well, I have what about 30 years of going through the problems, 60 years going through the heartaches, and not being able to walk or or whatever it is." But in light of eternity, it is but for a moment. That's it. And the whole point of this lesson, message, whatever you want to call it, is to see that it is but for a moment, and it worketh for us far more exceeding in eternal weight of glory. See, Paul, he saw this. He saw this. He saw past the problems. He saw past the problems. He said it's a light affliction. Do we, and we understand in this church, we know what Paul went through. and perils of this, and perils of that, and perils of this, shipwrecked this many times, and all these problems, and the cares of all the churches, all the problems that Paul, and sometimes the cares of all the churches is a problem, (laughs) depending on the church you're dealing with, Uh, but not this church. Thanks. But like I said, Paul, he's, he's dealing with all these problems, all these situations, so much pressure, so much persecution. And he says, it's a light affliction. Because he has the eyes of eternity. He's, he's, Paul's definitely the guy that we want to be hearing this from. If it was somebody else, like, I, I don't know, just somebody, just a certain man, or, or, or just whoever it is. Somebody, I don't want to say minor in the Bible, but you know what I mean. Somebody that's not a Paul. Somebody that didn't, that, that didn't go through as much. You know, maybe we wouldn't take it as serious, but Paul, Paul saying this, I mean... And he says, be followers of me as I am of Christ. It all adds up to where we need to pattern ourselves like Paul, because Paul did like Christ. It's a light affliction to him. We have to be able to (coughs) work ourselves and to grow as Christians so we can have it be a light affliction. Maybe it's a heavy, uh, very heavy affliction right now, but you have to grow to the place where it's a light affliction for you. And I do too. And I'm not saying it's easy. I, I promise you I'm not saying it lightly. Uh, Hebrews, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself. And then later on, verse 4, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And uh, the affliction is always light in comparison to Christ and what he went through. It's always light. He endures such contradiction of sinners, the wickedness that was done to him. (laughs) I mean, Paul. Paul was a sinner. (laughs) So, I mean... Maybe he had something coming to him, being a sinner. But Jesus Christ was not a sinner, and he had all that it, striving against blood, uh, resisting the blood, striving against sin, and, and uh, enduring the contradiction of sinners. Jesus went through all that. It's only temporary. He had extreme suffering, but it was only temporary. It was only, it was only just for a moment. And what Jesus Christ did, just for a moment, settled. Eternity for a lot of people made the way for a lot of people for eternity to be easy because he, he had that light affliction. I'm sure Jesus Christ said the same words about that. It's only temporary manifold temptations. Number two, number two, it's incomparable to what's coming. It's incomparable to what's coming. Look at Romans chapter 8. I said, I don't think I'm going to expound too much on each of these because there are six of them. But it's, like I said, it's just being able to just wrap your mind around it just a little bit and to grasp them, write them down, and have them to use. Uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul again, (laughs) verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul, again, saying this. Saying, hey, it's incomparable to what is coming. When you're absent from the body and present with the Lord. A place, you know, we sing the song, where, a place where we'll never grow old. It's incomparable, the problems that we have. Yes, problems hurt and problems are hard. But you have to look at the hereafter. Our, and our handbook is full of just songs of just looking to that place. I think of Beyond the Sunset. Man, what a beautiful song. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, blissful morning, when with our Savior heaven is begun. Earth's toiling ended. Oh, glorious dawning. Beyond the sunset when day is done. That's, it's incomparable, what we have going on right now to that, to what we, and this is just us thinking about it. A day of reunion, a day to be with our Savior face-to-face, a day with no more pain, no more cancer, no more, no more tree stands to fall out of, Pastor Legault. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe there'll be a tree stand for you, I don't know. But you'll have a new body, so you don't have to worry about getting hurt if you fall. Uh, uh, no more death, no more divorce, no more, no more prodigal children. No, uh, no more barely making it paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because we'll be in heaven. We'll be in glory. We shall be like him. We'll have a glorified body, no more sin. It's incomparable to what's coming. And he, but he does say that it's sufferings. Look at verse 18 again. For I reckon that the sufferings. So it's, he's not making light of it. And he does say light affliction is still affliction, but he said the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Now it's interesting that he says not worthy to be compared. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know the lamb, the lamb which was slain. Worthy is the lamb, and you you think of that word worthy, and those, these are those problems that we have in our life. They're not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So We're not worthy of it. Incomparable. Number three, it comes for our own good. It comes for our own good. We'd stay in the same chapter. You know where we're going? Verse 28. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know. Now, right before that he's talking to the saints. He said, "For, for the saints, according to the will of God, and we know that all things work together for good." To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, like I said, verse or for number three, it comes for our own good. Not somebody else's good. It comes for our own good. You need to grow to a place where you can have a good handle on this verse for yourself. Because this is a heavy verse. This is a very heavy verse. But when you're applying it to others, you got to use discretion and discernment. You have to. Uh, you can't just say it flippantly. Uh, it's just not, it's not called for. <laughs> you don't always have to have something to say. Let me just put it that way. Uh, that doesn't have to be your go-to for somebody, somebody's kid just dies in a car wreck. That doesn't have to be your go-to verse. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it doesn't have to be your go-to verse. If somebody finds out that I have cancer, that doesn't have to be your go-to verse. Alright, I'm sure they know the verse. Now, yes, this verse is an excellent verse, it's a great verse, but you have to use discretion and discernment using it. Understand, read the time that you're dealing with the person, whoever it might be, and when it's appropriate, use it in scripture, work to this place. Or maybe let them come to that in, in conclusion of some other things that you might lead up to. But you have to be careful with this verse. Don't be somebody up that's already hurting with it. Even if you're not trying to, it, I'm just telling you. But for you, for you yourself and for me myself, you need to grow to a place where you can have a good handle on this verse for yourself. Have a good understanding of it. Be able to grasp it and say, Hey, I know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. It doesn't, it doesn't work together for good for everybody. There's, there's stipulations to it. There's to them that love God and the, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If, you're, if you're, we're the called and I love God, you love God, if you have those two items, whatever you're going through is working together for your good. So as long as you know, <laughs> as long as you know that you love him, and you're, you're saved, you're, you're called according to his purpose. Whatever you're going through, it's going to work together for good. Uh, there was a story. A story is told of an only survivor of a wreck who was thrown on an uninhabited island. After a while, he managed to build himself a hut in which he placed the little that he had saved from the wreck. He prayed to, he prayed to God for deliverance, and anxiously scanned the horizon each day to hail any passing ship. One day on returning from a hunt for food, he was horrified to find his hut in flames. All he had had gone up in smoke. The worst had happened, it seemed, but that which seemed to have happened for the worst was in reality for the best. The next day a ship arrived. We saw your smoke signal, the captain said. If our lives are in God's hands... All things work together for good. A, you know, when you think that everything is going up in flames, <laughs> that's that signal. It's signaling the Lord. He's ready to be there for you. Say, "Oh, Yo, I'm, I'm in distress. I have everything I have. I put in this one pile here, and it is just, I don't know what happened. How, how did this happen? You might not ever know. But the Lord knows, and he's watching, and he's there for you. All those horrible things that might happen to you, or they might be, they're, they're not, not that they might be, they are working together for good. The good and the bad working together for good. it doesn't say, we, and we know that all bad things work together for good, it just says all things. You and I may never see how that is while we're here on earth, but they are, according to the scriptures, they're working together for good. Like I said, you might not see it. You might maybe after, after one problem, you might see how the Lord works some things out or in the problem. I understand that it is hard to look for the good in the problem. And getting to that place, it's, it's hard to get to that place to look for the good in the problem. That's so why you got to be in the Bible. That's why you got to be in these verses, having them working in your heart, and then seeing the good that can come out of a, a horrible situation like I said, you might not see it right then, but you could. You could see it after a problem, during a problem, a year down the road. Somebody might come up to you and let you know something, that a blessing, that something insane, just incredible that happened because of something else. You never know. But it comes for our own good. Number four, it comes from a Father who knows more than us. Number four, it comes from a Father who knows more than us. Look at John chapter 13. So John chapter 13. This is uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and we'll start off in verse 5. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Now we're going to stop right there. Well, Actually, no, we'll keep going. Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. In verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now, this point is it comes from a father who knows more than us. Like I said, uh, you're not on the same level as the Lord. Uh, we, we are not. We're just not. Uh, we have Isaiah chapter 55 again. You don't have to turn there, but it says, for my thoughts are not, as, for, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now, now, this is a very important scripture just to have, not just throughout this message, but throughout life, understanding that why is this happening? Well, his ways are not our ways, our ways aren't his ways. The thoughts, they're just not matching up with the Lord. After all, he is the creator of everything. It's pretty incredible to think that we could even... Uh, just try to, you're trying to be on his level, like Peter here saying, Lord, you're not, you're not doing it, Lord. You're not doing that. Now, the way that makes the most sense to you is not always the way the Lord has for you. Right. Let me say that again. The way that makes the most sense to you, and maybe everybody around you, is not always the way that the Lord has for you. He likes to use ways that don't make sense to people, but they make incredible sense to the Lord. Because his ways aren't our ways. Uh, you, say, you see the way that God's working, just like in the Scripture here with Peter. He saw what was happening. He saw the Lord washing feet. He saw the way God works. And you ask God a question about it, and then he answers you. We like to get answers from God. We see the Lord working, and then uh, we ask him a question but it's like we don't, do you really care the question that you ask him? After he answers, Peter says, tells him he's wrong. He said, no, you're not, but you're not washing my feet. <laughs> you're not doing that. The Lord, the Lord told him what he was going to do, and Peter said, no, you're not. That's wild to me that Peter, that, that happens there. Jesus, he says, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do thou knowest not. I don't know, maybe he got a little offended there, saying, hey, you don't know what I'm doing, bud. You know, I don't know. What, that, what I do is thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Man, I mean, that's a, you've been with the Lord. You see everything that he's doing. But what's going on here? He's, Peter is dead wrong here. And when that happens in our lives, you are dead wrong when you tell the Lord no. It comes from a father. These manifold temptations, they come from a father. Not just some old, some old person, some person down the road that you don't know. It comes from your heavenly father who knows more than you and I. Manifold temptations. He says, hey, this has to happen. You might, you might not understand right now what I do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter. You're going to find out eventually. Just, just, just hold on a minute and let it happen. It's hard to just to let go and let it happen, but you have to. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, that perisheth. May that trial of your faith... <clears throat> It's coming from that father who knows more than you. It's, it's. He says in First Peter that's more precious than, than gold. Much more precious than gold. See if you have if you can line up some verses. If you can if you can stack some verses on top of each other, and you can pile. First Peter one six through seven on top of John thirteen and then on t- on top of Romans eight twenty eight and Romans eight seventeen and Second Corinthians uh, four seventeen. If you can just pile these on top and then file of Isaiah fifty five uh, eight through nine in there someplace so you can catch them all together. Things will come together for you in your life. And when the problems come, you'll have a you'll have your deck stacked with your arsenal to use against the problems. And they get you through the problems. And they have some joy through the problems. And like I said, I am not trying to make light of your problems. All right? Pro- that's why they're, they're called problems. They're, they're a bother. They hurt. But when something happens, don't tell the Lord, hey. Lord, you don't, know what you're ta- you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing, Lord Almighty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what Peter said. How, why is it in the Bible? Maybe to just compare it to ourselves, and are we doing that every day? Did you do that today? Did you do that yesterday? I don't know, but like I said, it comes from a father who knows a lot more than you and I. All right, number five, it brings glory to God. These manifold temptations, remember our topic is manifold temptations. It brings glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll start off in verse 7. Paul again. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. He's very personal here, very personal. Uh, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. He covers just about everything in verse number 10 infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses. He gives the list. He's saying, hey, I take pleasure in those. It's bringing God glory. Just, 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 Just driving through the problem, being able to deal with the problem and continue on in life with all these problems that are happening, understanding with the Apostle Paul everything that happened to him, and still continuing to stand just continuing to stand and to go forward for Jesus Christ. You know, it brings what happens in this situation, it brings glory to God, showing that he is the only one that that can keep you going through all the trials and tribulations in your life. It shows a supernatural strengthening. Something that can't be explained without God. It testifies of itself and it points to the Lord as the source. It does every time. And the Apostle Paul. You think of different different characters throughout the Bible, the problems that they go through, and the supernatural strength that they have. It brings glory to God because it points to God. You say, wow, how can these folks keep going? How can I keep going? Through Christ. Through Christ. I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You have infirmities. You have problems. Try to glory in them. Try. You've got to try. You say, I don't want to. I've been doing it for a long time. You've got to try. you got to try. The power of Christ could be resting upon you if you did it. You, gotta, you just got to at least give it a shot. Why not? What, have you, what else have you to lose? Why not just give it a shot? The glory in your problems. You never know what the Lord will do for you if you try to line some scripture up and apply it, directly apply it, and to have the power of Christ. Man, what a... What a thing to have the power of Christ resting on you. Feeling that heavy presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man. All right, number six. Number six, it can lead to repentance. Manifold temptations, they can lead to repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 8, we'll read 8 and 9. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I, did, uh, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that, the, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Verse 10 says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, verse 9 says that, that ye sorrowed to repentance. It can lead to repentance. Those problems that you have going on in your life, whatever, uh, through whatever the, or whatever the case may be for you, if there's maybe sin involved and that, the trouble and the trials and the problems that you go through, they can draw you down and draw you to a place of repentance. It can lead to that point of repentance. Uh, The problem, and might not even be related to sin. It doesn't have to be related to sin. And that's a a lot of people say, Lord, why? I didn't do anything wrong here. Why is this happening? But still, there's still sin in your life, my life, everybody's lives, obviously. And it can draw you into a repentant state of heart, reflecting on what really matters in your life. Uh, a few years back now, I can't remember when because of the concussions. But I think it was 17 and 18 somewhere, 2017, 2018. I had uh, multiple concussions due to scope bite, uh, something that our uh, pastoral is familiar with, and I am, and I'm sure other people that they, they, uh, I know he did it with black powder, and I just decided to relax with my rifle and my, you know, I'm laying there sighting in my rifle. Had a great first shot, and then I relaxed, and I pulled the trigger again and it got me right here pretty hard and it felt great and then I was coaching wrestling at the time as well and wh- when I say I coach wrestling I wrestle wrestling with the kids <laughs> it's like I I'm going to show these kids how to do this and if they think that they're pretty tough then I try to put them in their place and it's just the I guess you could say immaturity on my hand I, I don't know but I just I just love competitive sports and just Giving it my all for it and stuff and then dying on the lay We were playing basketball a couple months ago and man I was playing as hard as I could and I am the worst basketball player you would ever see in your life But I work hard when I play basketball and uh, probably because I'm so bad But afterwards I was just laying on the blacktop out back here just laying on my back just dying Get up and there's just a, a black silhouette of me on the floor on the blacktop of sweat So why'd I say all that. Oh, yeah, so but, yeah, with concussions, so I coached wrestling, and I had a lot of really bad slams on my head uh, when I was coaching. Uh, just kind of me and the guys just grappling together and then smacking my head, either on the mat or on a knee, or we both going for a shot at the same time, and boom, heads hit, and star, you see stars. You go back, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Anyways, all those items just kind of pile on top of each other. And then one day I had this I had this crazy episode and I started I felt like I was uh, kind of drifting away and like, "Well, I feel like I'm dying. Tanya, what's something's going on here? Something weird." And I had all these crazy like anxiety, panic attack type deals and and uh heart race, all sorts of crazy stuff. And I just did not know what was going on. My doctor told me that I couldn't have had a concussion because I didn't get knocked unconscious. So then, which is not true, and uh my <laughs> And so, anyways, we went the route of trying to find things for my heart. You probably remember, Pastor, Glenn, I called you and said, "What heart? What hospital I go to to have my heart checked out? Something's going on." And put me on all sorts of junk to test, to, to test everything, and all this stuff when it wasn't even related to the heart. It was related to my, my head and stuff. But anyways, in the middle of, all of that, before I found out that it was post-concussion syndrome, and hated my doctor even more, and I haven't seen him since. But in the middle of all the craziness that was going on, because you have these things happening, and you have no idea what's going on with you. You're thinking, what is happening with me? They're checking my heart, but my heart's fine, and I keep on having these crazy panic attack episodes that I used to make fun of, but I don't anymore, and uh, <laughs> and I just didn't know what was going on. I am just, I'm telling you, I said all that to say this, the trouble, that—that I mean, it was a pretty, it was a scary time, and I'm not remembering things at the time, and I would just come home at lunchtime and just have to lay on the couch, close my eyes. and I see flashing lights, and uh, just, I just had to close my eyes during my lunch break, and, and I just, it was horrible. And I understand that's not as bad as a lot of people have it, but it was still a hard time for me at the time. And at that time, I got pretty real with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I am sorry. And I just started going through in my heart thinking, man, what is there to repent of here? What do I have on my list that I have got to get right with God. And it just started drawing me to a place just closer and closer and closer with him, making it more and more real. And the repentance was, it was there like that. When you're in trouble, it draws you to repentance pretty close. And you start thinking, all these things are piling on top of you. You think, you think of, man, but... uh, what do, I, what do I have in my, what is there that I need to repent of? I'll repent of anything. Whatever, yes, I put too much peanut butter on my, on my sandwich. I'm sorry. Like, anything. You know, just trying to think of something to repent of. But I'll tell you what, I did have a list of some items that I was able to go through. And as I was telling myself, I was like, man, you're a piece of garbage, James. And you know, I'm, I'm talking to myself in the mirror. It's kind of weird, I guess, now, thinking about it. I just wanted to let myself know what I thought about myself. And there's better no better way than to look yourself in the face and tell you what you think about yourself. Yeah, you can write that down if you want. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, problems they'll lead to repentance. It doesn't have to necessarily be um, a sinful problem that you have going on. That was just I was just coaching and and uh, and just doing just living life normal, and then trouble happened. Trouble came. But it brought me to repentance. I got to take care of some things that I probably would not have taken care of if it hadn't been for the problems. I wouldn't wouldn't be in my Bible as much right now if it wasn't for all those problems six, seven years ago. And just thinking, okay, I'm sorry, Lord, and I'd really like to avoid those issues again, and I'm going to try to stay on the, the straight and narrow and do what's right. But like I said, it'll draw you to repentance. Now, that's all I have for those points. Manifold temptations. They're serious. It's, it's nothing to be made light of. Uh, on, on the coast of uh, Pascadero, California, is the famed Pebble Beach. There the waves dash with ceaseless roar and thunder among the stones on the beach. The pitiless waves toss and grind the stones together and hurl them against the rugged cliffs. Day and night, the wearing down of the stones continues unabated. Tourists from all over the world gather the beautiful, round, polished stones for ornaments on mantles. Near Pebble Beach is a tower and cliff which breaks the force of the dashing waves. Uh, In the quiet cove, sheltered by the cliff, is an abundance of stones. These are unsought, unwanted They have escaped the turmoil and beating of the waves. Hence, they are rough, angular, and devoid of beauty. Billows of sorrow and trouble polish and refine us and give to us the opportunity to prove the genuineness of the Savior's comforting healing words. The turmoil and the beating, the manifold temptations, the trial of your faith, Being much more precious than gold that perisheth. That trial of your faith is something that's going to work for something in eternity. Something in eternity, but I don't understand why. You don't have to understand right now. You just got to go by what he says in his word. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this evening. I pray that that this was just a help, just a comfort. (laughs) Lord, it wasn't much of a... preaching and but father it was more of just a lesson going through it and uh, but i pray that you just that you just work and in hearts that it would just be an encouragement to somebody that's going through problems and and lord i pray you just give them just an extra just an extra dose of comfort this evening father in jesus name amen